You are listening to Asian Skycast, the show that brings you the most updated aviation industry insights. Hi, welcome to Asian Skycast. I'm Jeff Lowe, CEO of Asian Sky Media and Asian Sky Group, here with one of our featured podcasts during our 2020 Infrastructure Week, which is in conjunction with the release of our 2020 Infrastructure Report. On the phone this morning from New York, I've got Jeff Chick, who is the Senior Vice President of DASO Worldwide Service Network. Not a small responsibility for any OEM. It's a big job, Jeff. Uh, maybe to start a little bit of your background and how you ended up where you are now uh, with DASO and in New York. I guess you're in Teterboro, right? Yes, Teterboro. Yes. Good evening, Jeff. Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting journey, certainly. I've been in aviation for nearly 30 years now. I like to tell people that when I started in aviation, I was over six feet tall. I'm now I'm only five foot eight. That's what it does to you. Um, and I've uh, been privileged to see, I think, most ends of the aviation spectrum other than uh, the military side, although I get a glimpse with the DASO uh, Rafale activity, but I, I've been involved in everything from crop, crop dusting through to 747s in the airline world and now somewhere in the middle with uh, with BizJets. So it's been an interesting journey for sure. Yeah, as I and I sort of uh, alluded to and when I sent you through the questions, I mean, I'm Canadian, so uh, from Toronto and Montreal. So when I went down the, the LinkedIn profile and saw Canadian Airlines. I, I thought for sure I had you pegged as a Canadian, to be honest. Uh, but that's not the case. You're originally from the UK. Yes, yes. And I moved to Canada in 1991. And uh, that's where the uh, always had a, a passion for aviation. And that's where it became realized. Uh, certainly, Canada is a much more aviation prolific uh, area than, than the UK. And uh, that's where my... Um, um, crop dusting days started. I wasn't flying the planes, but uh, had a small crop dusting company in British Columbia, and uh, uh, okay. that's where it all started. Yeah, okay. So that fills in the, another one of the little pieces for me because you said you were on the West Coast, and I was going, but Canadian Airlines, I thought was Calgary. So where where did he get to the West Coast? So crop dusting. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very very yeah. interesting. As you said, uh, it's been a long and long interesting career over the last thirty years for sure. For sure, for sure. And so yeah. uh, 14 years ago, uh, 2006, joined DSO on the, on the customer service side and have moved through different roles through those, those last 14 years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, that's uh, this part of my aviation journey, which is, uh, I believe, my, my last stop, if you will, has been equally interesting. And uh, I've had the great fortune to, to be with DASO and taken on some different responsibilities. So again, it's uh, really nice to see all the different uh, parts of this particular uh, segment of the industry. Well, and I think what at least from my standpoint and you'll probably agree what makes it equally as interesting is i think you know when it comes to to dasso and their customer service uh there's been tremendous changes over the last uh, last 10 years uh and, and all for the good 
And I think as I, in the profile or in the questions I sent you, I mean, 10 years ago, 2010, Falcon ranked fifth uh, and last when it came to OEM owned uh, service centers and even with authorized service centers. And yet here we are 10 years later and, you know, you're how many years in a row have you been number one now? I know it's certainly two years, maybe more. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, the the really nice thing for the team last year, 2019, we were number one in both uh, ProPilot and AIN. And it's just a a tremendous sense of accomplishment to have the customers uh, recognize that and uh, acknowledge it. And and, uh, to me, it's the customers uh, saying thanks back to the team members here, which is just just really nice to see. The team deserves it. Sure. And if, I mean, uh, the, the kind of the obvious question I had was, how did you do that? I mean, it, for me, it, it, it's not just a matter of uh, spending a few dollars here and a few dollars there. I mean, to go from fifth to first and then maintain that position as well, because it's, you know, the, the challengers, if you will, try even harder to knock you off that top perch. So it's even harder to stay number one. And yet you've done it now. So... Yeah, it's very hard to maintain that position, and and we have formidable competitors. There's no question about yeah. that, and there's very little difference between the scores for any of the OEMs. But first and foremost, and and this really isn't cliche. I really do believe we have some of the the best talent in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have made some investments in uh, in in team growth and in infrastructure growth, things like the Falcon Response Program, including the two dedicated airplanes. We put that live in 2015. <laughs> Certainly that helped. But in my mind, and it's always been one of my core values, and of Dassault, which essentially is a, f- a family company, yeah. Uh, the, the team really uh, brings a human touch to all the interactions, which I think in this somewhat sterile digital world, yeah. maybe I'm just old fashioned, I think <laughs> is really, really appreciated by the customers. They like the human yeah. touch. Sure, sure. Yes. And of course, over those last 10 years, uh, the, the industry hasn't, stand, you know, hasn't stood still either. Been lots of changes. And so between how the industry have changed uh, what have you had to do to you know change with it is there anything that stands out for you over the last in the last decade if you will that were fundamental changes that required you to to to, to make a, a this equally fundamental change in how you provided your service um, it, it's been a I would say a gradual change because uh, I, I think the expectations of all the OEMs, have been increasing, uh, certainly since I started here 14 years ago. I see more reliance on the OEMs. Um, uh, People are are having less of their own infrastructure. The operators have less infrastructure, so they they put more emphasis on on us to support them. We also see the regulations uh, putting, um, you know, they're becoming more numerous and complex, and that's adding burden not just to the operators, but also to us. So I'm seeing that our, our role just keeps it, it expanding in, in depth and width. And uh, we have to adjust to that. And, and we can't always uh, throw manpower at it. We have to do it intelligently because we all have to yeah. keep our costs under control. So it, it really is a, a case of being uh, as flexible as possible and, and trying to find that balance of, uh, where do we draw the line and what is us, what is regulatory, what is the operator, and uh, and how can we best support 
the operator in all of this. It, it's it's a perpetual change, Jeff. Yeah, no, I was just going to say it's a, it's more a continuous improvement thing. And uh, as you say, every year there's incremental improvements that if we'll move the whole organization and your and your group forward. So, got right. it, got it. Um, obviously, one of the the. The, the big changes certainly over the last, uh, well, I guess maybe year, couple of years has been uh, you've certainly, and maybe this isn't the right word, certainly gone in all in and, and certainly acquired a lot of service centers, both uh, factory owned and also third party. And so that involving is ExaJet, uh, Tag Aviation, uh, Ruag as well. Uh, so big, big, big changes on that front. So what what spurred that on, and and what was what's what's the I guess the the end strategy for why those why all those purchases were done? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, people ask me, uh, was it a financial play? And the answer is no. It wasn't a financial play. It, it was a play to make sure that we had the right level of capacity, not just now, but uh, going into the future, uh, because we do have, of course, the 6X is coming soon. There's going to be a rollout next month, which we're very yep. excited about. Sure. Uh, probably won't be the last airplane that we develop. And yeah, um, there's another so we want to make sure there, that we have the, there's another the right one level. Coming. <laughs> yeah, we hear, most we likely. hear whisper in uh, the fields. Okay. <laughs> I've heard the same whisper, yes. <laughs> And um, we want to make sure we have the capacity out there uh, for the current and the future fleet. We also want to have direct influence over uh, the Falcon customer experience. So today, as you know, we have a mixture of factory-owned and authorized service centers. Not authorized uh, centers are good partners, but we want to have uh, in the long term more direct visibility and influence over what the uh, Falcon customer experience is. So no matter where the customer happens to be. And in terms of looking forward into the future, again, uh, we, we're going to monitor the fleet growth, uh, the demographics. Are we growing more in Asia, Pacific? Are we growing more in uh, North America, which traditionally has been the largest market for biz jets? So we just have to wait and see. Um, we're not going to rush out and buy anything tomorrow. Um, but uh, we're actively monitoring uh, what's going on in the industry. Yeah, I think, uh, as you said, Jeff, a lot of uh, certainly the end users, the actual owners, clients, they obviously prefer to go to the, the factory OEM uh, center if they can. Um, and again, I think it's like you say, in order for you to, um, if if you will, have that personal touch and which always, as you said, helps with going to retaining that client as well and making sure he doesn't go to some other facility for his maintenance uh that having that face-to-face -face contact all the time is 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 very desirable very desirable so having all these guys exactly. go through your own facilities is, is great you can control that customer experience much better much much better so um right. we uh, you mentioned the 6x and we'll get into it a little bit more uh what about for some of the older older models? Uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to say the Falcon 900, and probably my friends at Falcon will call me up and say it's not an old airplane. But um, <laughs> if you will, uh, it's certainly been around 
maybe one of the legacy models. Um, we still see a lot of 7Xs out our way here in Asia, uh, more 8Xs, which is always nice to see. Uh, any difference as far as how you how you uh, provide the services and support for, say, maybe some of the, the older legacy uh, model types versus uh, the, the new 8Xs and 6Xs that will be coming? No, we, we certainly don't have a different value proposition for the uh, older airplanes. And if we talk about the 900, for example, um, of course, we have the latest LX version. Yep. We also have the uh, the models that came out in the, in the mid 80s. So we'll treat it the same uh, no matter what the age. We have people that are trained uh, to support uh, any of the 900 models. The question really is in the eyes of the customer, do they want to come to a a factory-owned facility? Typically, this is a third or fourth owner of the airplane. Mm -hmm. Um, Do they see for themselves the additional value of having the OEM stamp in a logbook? Some of them don't always see that. You know, they're quite happy to have their own local maintenance take care of it. So we're, we're here for them. But what we see is that typically the older airplanes will go uh, even outside of the authorized network for maintenance, which is okay, which is okay. Okay. And what primarily drives them to do that? Just just curious. Certainly uh, there's an assumption that coming to the OEM is going to be uh, more expensive, which is not necessarily Mm -hmm. the case. Uh, I think that's the the primary driver. Um, Okay. And then, of course, you've got local things like geography and relationships they've they've had. Maybe they have a maintenance provider when they had a different uh, brand of airplane that they're right. just happy with that provider and they're just around the corner. So it's it's relationship and perception of price. Uh, okay. Because my a little bit my experience has been that uh, the other reason a lot of the owners like the factory OEM is they can minimize the downtime. Uh, a lot of times, if you will, going outside of that support net, uh, it just takes longer to get the parts that they need and the downtime ends up being much longer. And it's it's all about aircraft availability for the owner. And he wants the, the, the if you will, the shortest downtime possible so he can get his airplane back and, and get it in the air. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, typically with an older airplane, the, the thing you want uh, closest to you is the technical and engineering yeah, support, yes, yes, uh, exactly. w- which we don't hold only to ourselves. We do provide it uh, pretty much anywhere someone needs it. But yes, um, if you're right there in the facility, it, it will probably be a little bit more efficient. And uh, if you have someone that's touching a Falcon that maybe isn't familiar with it, it, it can impact things like downtime and ultimately cost as well. And if Efficiency event. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We we mentioned briefly the six X. Um, yes, uh, rollout next month. I, I don't think it'll be too long after that before we have the first flight as well. It's going to be a very very if if you will action packed twenty twenty one for 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 the six X as as more and more airplanes join the program. Uh, what are you doing to to get ready for that when the aircraft finally does? enter service 
So we're already well advanced in developing the maintenance training uh, curriculum, uh, planning on the tooling, planning on the spare parts. Both those items also are well advanced. And in fact, later on in 2021, our main spares hubs will have those uh, some of those uh, parts starting to arrive on their shelves. Of course, we'll have uh, technicians trained in our factory centers well before yeah. the, the airplane enters into service. And we also have a program with the Flight Test Center in East where we have uh, specialists kind of shadowing the progress of the airplane and learning some of the more intimate details of the program and the airplane itself uh, firsthand um, to make sure that we have the expertise when the aircraft uh, hits the streets. Right. Um, it's sort of been a bit of the, uh, the the norm now for some of the some of the other OEMs when they roll out that first uh, first model of that new type. They've tried to keep the initial operators close to home. Uh, I, I kind of think back to the six fifty. I mean, I think the first. 20 airplanes that came out of the Gulfstream factory there had to be U.S. registered and had to go to a, an existing Gulfstream fleet operator, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're, you're not, are you planning to keep the first airplanes close to home or they're, they're going everywhere? I think we're taking a different approach. We're taking an approach of we'll stay close to the airplane wherever it goes. Okay. So right. we'll have things like jump seat support programs. And by virtue of our factory network, um, they won't be far from a factory facility if they need it. Right. We'll have our frontline right. technical reps uh, trained up and ready to go. So um, I, I think we'll accomplish the same thing, but with a slightly different logic. Sure. Okay. Um, if I can, any, any special plans or comments regarding Asia? I mean, obviously we're, I'm not going to say we're the smallest fleet, but um, obviously not the biggest one. Um, how do you view the Asia market and, and view providing the support out here for the, for, a, for the existing models and, and the new 6X coming? Yeah. So actually, Asia is, uh, we believe, one of the bright spots on the horizon, um, especially Southeast Asia. There are yep. uh, new airplanes going there. There are some uh, some recent used airplanes being delivered into that area. Absolutely. And uh, yes. the fleet is, is slowly growing. And as the economies around the world come back from COVID-19, we think that will continue to be the case. And with our expanded factory network out there, again, we'll have people from those locations trained. We'll have the spare parts in region and um, we'll, we'll be ready for the 6x just like we're already ready for the 8x 7x 900 and the 2000 in, in all locations out there the 6x will be no different it'll be as part of the the, the core planning process yeah uh, referring obviously to the executive jet uh, facilities that are out here Yes, exactly. And we continue to have a relationship with Shanghai Hawker Pacific in Shanghai, uh, AOG support in Hong Kong, uh, Tianjin with Executive Hydro Group. So uh, th- those partners have been there for a long time. They're good, trusted partners, and uh, we keep that relationship. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned the COVID-19. Uh, I guess, unfortunately, these days, it's it, it always comes into the into the conversation. Uh, I guess, how has that uh, affected? I guess, how you how you provide the service? Um, I guess, uh, it, likewise, personnel and uh, what steps you've taken to try to deal with that pandemic? 
Well, we're very fortunate that um, very, very few of our team members have been uh, directly uh, affected with the pandemic. Um, what we're seeing, though, is, is of course, there's limited discretionary spending on uh, on aircraft as they come in for maintenance. So, for example, if people are going to upgrade their cabin management system or their SATCOM system, they're holding back and just waiting to see what happens next. They're, of course, doing the Canada maintenance, but some of them are doing it early so that when uh, the pandemic uh, eases and the restrictions start to go away, they can use the airplane uninterrupted. And we're seeing lower utilization of the airplanes, which yep. affects things like line maintenance and AOG support uh, and also parts sales. So, yep. And I think every OEM is seeing the same yep. thing. Yeah. So we've made some logistical adjustments along the way. And uh, depending on the region of the world uh, that you're in, uh, they've had the... Uh, yeah, the restrictions have had a, a greater or lesser impact. So, for example, in South Africa and the Middle East, uh, with a lot of international and transient traffic, with that gone, those facilities were, were quiet for a while. On the other hand, in Australia and also in Malaysia, because the restrictions kept people in country, uh, we benefited from those airplanes coming to us, whereas normally they might fly somewhere else in maintenance. Mm-hmm. So we have some yeah. new customer relationships, right. which is good. Right. So it's uh, it's a real mix of everything. Yeah, I was going to so say, kind of a mix, mixed bag. Mixed bag. So, because yeah, talking to um, uh, Executive in Tianjin, and, and by the way, great facility. They do a great job up there. Um, certainly they're, they're very busy and in, in some cases, owners have taken the opportunity to, since they're not flying the aircrafts on the ground anyways, to certainly, as you say, bring forward some of those maintenance and do some of those upgrades or other things that they had thought of or planned of at some point in time, but now have the time. So they're, they're doing that work now. So certainly it seems like, um, Certainly the MROs, I guess, maybe depending on where you are uh, and, and people can get to them, uh, certainly experiencing some uh, a bit of an upspike in, in business levels at the same time, too. So, yep, yep, yep. a real mixed bag, depending on yep. the region you're in. Yep. yep. Um, so any any anything else uh, you see that you or you feel you need to do to, if you will, say at the top of the game? Well, we're going to continue to adapt our footprint. There's no question about that. And that'll be, as I said earlier, based on the uh, the fleet demographics. We want to continue focusing on the customer experience. I, I'd really like, would like to have even today more consistency of the experience, uh, regardless of the actual name that's above the hangar door as people roll up. So that's one of our, our key focuses right now. Yeah, but take, that takes time. Um, but, that takes time. Yeah, yeah, it does take time. That's, that's uh, like the, a, the a, cult, is, a culture change in some places. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's the nice thing about TAG and ExecuJet. Um, yeah. They fit, they already fit very well culturally sure. into the yeah. DASO culture. It, yeah. it wasn't a huge step change for anyone. So no. it, it was a nice uh, alignment. Yeah, high quality organizations to begin with. So Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I want to thank you. Uh, I'm not going to, not going to take any, any more of your time. I think we've, uh, we've covered everything that certainly I wanted to, unless you've got something else that you want to add, Jeff. No, uh, thank you, Jeff. I, I enjoyed yeah. this chat and uh, I'm really hoping that we can see each other again at a base 2021, but uh, we'll just have to wait yeah. and see what happens with the pandemic. Yeah. I think there, there may be an a base 2021, but it, it may be a very 
Chinese a base because I'm not I'm not so sure the rest of us are going to be able to get there. So, but um, anyway, much much the same for me. Uh, enjoyed the enjoyed the chat, especially uh, if you will the Friday morning over after after Thanksgiving. Appreciate you uh, you getting into the office and, and entertaining us. So uh, please enjoy the rest of your day, and, and thanks again for your time, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Thanks for joining us this week on Asian Skycast. Make sure to visit our website, Asian Sky Media, where you can subscribe to the show on your phone or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show.